Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 112, Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused marketing podcast. We think, still, maybe. And in this episode, we talk about some HubSpot updates, the good, bad and the ugly, and life after keywords. Welcome to HubShots, the podcast for marketing managers and sales professionals who are using HubSpot or are considering using HubSpot. My name is Ian Jacob from Search Will Be Found, and with me is my lovely co-host, Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Um, well, pretty tired. We're recording this late at night on Thursday, the 8th of February. In your Actually, new it's office. been a good day. Yeah, we're in a new office here in WeWork Piermont, which incidentally is where the first Sydney HubSpot user group for 2018 is going to be, and it's going to be at the end of March. Any date? It's the 28th of March, yes. Excellent. So when you're listening to this, you probably can go and register yourself. So I'd encourage you to do that. If you're on a HubSpot user group anywhere else, let us know and we can give it a plug on the show. Yeah, go to uh, the central listing. But speaking of upcoming events, if only there were a countdown about something important That's coming right. up later in the year. How many days to inbound, Craig? Well, as we record this tonight, it's 207 days till inbound 2018. And if you want to find out and keep a track, go to inboundcountdown.com and you'll find out. Oh, it's only the most important things here. Yeah, fantastic stuff. That's right. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is something to do with security. Now, this is I'm not sure you're aware. A lot of people use Google Recapture to stop people from putting in spammy things into forms. And Google has progressively over time actually improved it to the point where you can't even see a recapture right now. And so what they've done is they've made it available on all HubSpot forms within the system. So my advice to people is go take advantage of that new feature within HubSpot forms. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. And I think it's an improvement over the ugly recapture that used to be before, which still served a good purpose. But those recaptures always look ugly. Yes. And I think this one looks much nicer. So nice little tick for that one, I think. Yes, absolutely. So I think definitely go implement it, especially if you've got issues with spam on your site. All right, on to our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. All right, well, cue violins. I think this is really sad. HubSpot have just announced that they're going to sunset the keyword tool. I think it's the end of May. It might be sometime around that. Now, sunset is a a nice way of saying kill. (laughs) Uh, So they're getting rid of the keyword tool. Now, there's a blog post about it. We've linked to it in the show. And you can read that. And it makes sense. And they're right. However, I don't like it. (laughs) I'm not happy about this. I'm kind of sad. And I'll tell you why. First of all, do we use the keyword tool in our agency for keyword tracking? No, we don't. We actually use other tools. So it's not that I'm going to miss it. However, our clients love it. And I know I've heard data before from HubSpot where they say they do metrics on who uses what parts of the system. And this is one part that doesn't get a lot of love or a lot of usage. So I get that. But that's not my experience. Our clients generally love it. So there's two things here. One is, well, is it used a lot? And if it's not, okay, remove it from the tool. But the second is, are keywords that relevant anymore? Now, I actually just want to say they're not really because everyone's search experience is different. I get that. However, not all clients are as advanced as maybe HubSpot people are. And so they just like to see that trend. And although the trend might not be absolutely accurate, it actually just shows them a trend over time. Okay, this keyword, which we're kind of tracking, is going up according to how this rank tracker tracks it. Might be not the same experience as I get. But I think that's really useful. And as far as giving clients a very quick snapshot, they can just pop in a few keywords. Oh, here's kind of where we rank. 
It might not be exactly accurate within 10 or 20 placements, but it's kind of indicative of whether you rank at all versus (laughs) not at all, right? I think that's useful. And to see something gradually climb over time, I think is a useful viewpoint for a client to have. So I'm kind of sad on behalf of our clients who found comfort in that, maybe more than reality, they found comfort. I guess that's that's almost an opinion of the week. I've just hijacked that whole segment there, but yeah, that's, that's right. kind of my feeling. And I think understanding, and I've seen this happen over time, how people search and you asked me to search something and I showed you how lazy I was because I saw the suggestions come up and the two totally different results that we saw when we did that search. And the only difference in that search was the word in, which I thought was really interesting, just the vast difference that we saw. So I think the variedness of search results on devices, in locations, in all of these different factors that come into play, like how do you track that? We're not playing on a single field any longer. So I think this is the interesting part about killing the keyword tool and looking more at the content strategy, so to speak. Yeah, I get that. And also, I think you're right to point to the content strategy tool. We're talking about keyword themes now more than keyword specifics. I totally get that as well. However, I'd say um, to listeners who are thinking, well, how do I track my keywords now and what should I do after March? A couple of things, and maybe we'll talk about this closer to the time. There are other tools you can get, but certainly one that you should definitely have is Google Search Console. You should set up a profile for your sites, and that'll at least give you some averages. And I guess one thing that Google Search Console will give you is averages, and you can actually filter by locations as well, which is kind of nice. So that's a useful tool you should always have. It's not as easy and nice to use as the HubSpot one, but yeah. it's a strong alternative for Absolutely. people to learn. And there are other alternatives. I think HubSpot have put that in their blog post. I think Ahrefs is one of them. So definitely have a look at it. All right, on to our marketing tip of the week, Craig. And this is about creating lookalike audiences for Facebook ads. So this is obviously available in the Facebook ads platform, but now you get the ability to do it within HubSpot from the ads part. What I love about this is that you can take your HubSpot marketing lists and create lookalike audiences. Now I'm going to take a step back, Craig. What's a lookalike audience? I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, for listeners that may not be familiar with lookalike audiences, Facebook lookalike audiences are where you take an existing audience and Facebook applies its learning across the top to find other people that look similar to people in that audience. So a common example would be people that bought at your store, your online store. Okay, Facebook looks at those people and says, oh, based on all their characteristics, I know that they very strongly look like these other people and it will grow your audience. So it basically can expand the size of your audience to be more people that look like that. So it's a very powerful way to grow your reach. So now in HubSpot, the simplest one you can do, which is you can do your website visitors as an audience and then you can create a lookalike audience of your website visitors. So if there's nothing else that you do, Make sure you go click a few buttons and do that at least. So have your Facebook pixel in place and everything's been set up. And then it'll start creating that from within HubSpot. So I encourage you to do that. Craig, onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is to do with the meetings part of sales. And there are some nice options here that they've added, which were missing when we started, in terms of customizing the title of the meeting and also being able to put a location in there. 
being two things. Is there anything else you want to highlight? Well, uh, just personalizing some of the fields, I think, is nice. I don't know if that's entirely new, but I hadn't used it before. So what this means is when you book a meeting, you can actually have that meeting invite be personalized with the person's name and yep. details. So, so you're able to actually put in a contact token or a company token into the subject line so it'll automatically fill it out. And it does that because on the first input of the meetings, it actually collects that data. So that's how it can do that. All right, on to our opinion of the week, Craig. All right. Well, I'll keep this short because I kind of feel I've already had an opinion of the week at the start of the show. But after talking about how good the meetings tool is, I just want to mention that I still feel this whole send a meeting link to people is not always appropriate. And I don't know if this is an age thing. I need to get over myself, but I still can't on this one. Whenever I contact someone and they send me back, oh, here, book time in my calendar, I find that jarring. Although it's very efficient, and I love efficiency, I find it jarring. And in some ways, I'd rather be inefficient. I'd rather go backwards (laughs) and forwards with you, finding a time. And there's almost a rapport that builds as part of that. I guess I just wanted to raise that as opinion of the week because it is something that bugs me, and I know it bugs other people. I know I'm not alone in this. So just be sensitive around that. And I'll give an example. You know when we were booking in time with Brian Halligan to record that interview with you? He didn't send us a book at time in my calendar, a a link. Yeah. He actually was very personal and his PA got involved and it was a very, I thought, a very nice experience. experience. And uh, there's someone of all the people who could just send you a link, book time in my calendar. You know, I thought it was very good. So I just wanted to raise that because... It has uh, a time and place. It has a time and place. Yes. And I think, especially as we're talking more about, you know, person-to-person relationships growing as marketers... Salespeople probably do that. But marketers, I think we need to be mindful of that. And that can be something that can make or break an early perception of people. Okay, Craig, on to our app of the week. We're going to highlight overcast.fm, I think it is. And it's a podcast player for iOS. And what we both, actually you introduced it to me and I've been using it ever since those to podcasts. What I love about it is you can set the speed individually for different podcasts. It can do some smart skipping and smart speeding up. And there are some other interesting things that I know you get it to do. Uh, yeah, well, I actually like the smart skipping yep. because I like to listen to podcasts and I like the, to listen to them as efficiently as possible, take out the space. And by the way, I feel sorry for people if they have to listen to us at normal speed because a podcast player like this, it just speeds it along, cuts yes. out all the blanks, and it's a much better experience. So, uh, folks, if for no other reason than that, get uh, overcast so it's a more enjoyable experience listening to this podcast. Yes, and so this is only available on Apple devices and uh, yes. not on Android devices. Yeah, so uh, we'd love a comment or feedback. What's the best Android player that we should recommend on the show? So please let us know in the feedback. We'll That'd be great. Time. All right, now we've got a resource of the week, Craig, which is a great piece of advice from Thomas Tunks about writing. And I just would encourage you to actually read this and He talks about having a rhythm in your writing, so why people keep reading and how you structure your writing can actually help you move people along. Out of all the things I read last week, it just really stood out to me and I wanted to highlight it. So I really encourage you guys to look at it. When you're writing blog posts, try it out and see if it works. I totally agree. And when you sent me that, I thought it was a wonderful piece. I'm going to add one note, which is the benefit of being a good writer and trying to improve your writing. So this is something I'm actually focusing on this year trying to be a better writer. And the reason is, I think we've got carried away too much in the last 10 years, or maybe even more just the last five years, with this whole idea of storytelling. Yeah. Now everyone's all about storytelling. Yes. Oh, we've got to be storytellers and all of this. And it's like, yeah, okay. 
I think storytelling has got to the point where it's just gone ridiculous. Yeah. And that's why we've now got books called How to Be Authentic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because brands have, oh, we've got to tell our story and it, it's actually just bollocks. And now we've actually got to get back to being authentic. Yes. Anyway, put that aside. Storytelling has been successful because people like a story. And I'm not talking about things like the 10,000 hours rule. Um, we've discussed it many times. <laughs> that Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. Um, whenever he writes, he's a great storyteller. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm actually talking about good writing. He's yeah. a good writer. Yeah. So it's not just about stringing a story together. It's about writing. And if you're not into the whole storytelling piece, which I'm not, mm. I think just being a great writer is yes. such a powerful skill, more so than storytelling. So I'm just going to put that out there. And I think Thomas Tungus brings that home yeah. beautifully. And we've got another resource of the week, which is The Rise of Infinite Scrolls. So have a read of that. That's on Medium. And understand what Infinite Scroll is and how annoying it can be sometimes. Also, just the addictiveness of it. Yes, all right, I'm trying to quote of the week, Craig. And this is actually from Thomas Tunks. So just a little background. He's a venture capitalist at Redpoint. And this is his quote. It says, the thing with human-robot interaction is you need to set expectation. If you say that a chatbot will be able to answer a question, for instance, humans will use it once. Find the limitations and stop using it. Set the expectation of users appropriately. And why I chose this was we decided to try an app while we were sitting together this evening. And I must say, it was, so it was an app, had some AI behind it, some artificial intelligence. And what a horrible experience we had. And I saw you get frustrated and go to the point of deletion. So, so I thought this was very apt for you. It was perfect. <laughs> well done. All right. In the show notes, there's some bonus links of the week. We'd encourage you to have a look. There's oh, can we great. just call out one of them? Yeah, It's this great piece where... Someone used machine learning to put Nicolas Cage's face on every movie. It's yes. classic stuff. We'll be sharing that on social. So have a look out for that. Until next time, look out for the hug registration in Sydney. And we look forward to talking to you all next week. Catch you later, Ian. See you, Craig. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.